Mom Podcast listening peeps. Welcome back to another episode of the Stab Digo Project, where we discuss ego, enlightenment, and other cool shit. I've actually recorded this intro after uh, after the interview that, that I'll have coming up that I'm going to play for you guys in a second. And well, you're in for something really special, right? I, I hope you guys are ready to be enlightened and keeping that open mind as always. It's really something special. So you should be super pumped. But before I get into the interview, the reason why I've recorded, and I've, this is the first time I've done this, recorded the different intro is because I just wanted to touch on something that we go through in the interview. So Lexi discusses openly about some mental health stuff as a result of her desire to compete on stage in the fitness industry where, you know, people jump on stage after working their butts off and showing their bodies. And so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big show, right? And she talks openly about some real stuff that happened to her mentally and physically because of this. Now I jump in as well and, and I talk openly as well about some stuff that I've seen through people competing. Now, this stuff that we spoke about is some, some real events that happened, right? And some, they're not so positive in regards to that, but on the other side, like anything, there's positive and negative in everything. So there's, I've seen people change their whole lives around due, due to competing, right? But this is touching on some negative side effects from, from, from that. So I'm never one to bash down on people that have, or, you know, talk negatively about, negatively about people's passions, desires, or whatever it may be. Because even me, for me, I with my boxing, when I turned my life through my boxing, I was addicted to that, and I, and I had to cut weight, I had to give up certain foods, I had to do some some heavy stuff as well behind that. So there was some certain things that, on some people look at that were negative on that. So I've been through these passions as well, right? So the reason why I'm touching on this is because you know I, I know some of my listeners are competitors, and I'm and I'm not bashing on you guys at all, right? Because it's positive and negative to everything. I don't want a bunch of overly tanned fit mofos bashing down my front door. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping you're ready for this interview. Keep an open mind as always, spreading that love. Here we go. Now, before I get into introducing my guests, I just want to uh, not not touch on what's going on at the moment in humanity because it's a very interesting time. So I'm not going to really touch on that. I just want to send out my love and hope that you're all doing doing okay and looking after that mental health and obviously listening to podcasts and stuff like that, what you're doing now. So keep doing so, keep reaching out, keep expressing that love. Now, uh, to introduce my guest, I what do we do really when we get to know somebody? The first thing we do, I suppose, is check out their Insta. <laughs> and uh, so my, my guest's name is Lexi Kirky, and her Insta bio says, gluten-free and plant-based, the best, holistic health and fitness, heavily meditated, self-love and spirituality, the Daily Diary podcast, so giving that a bit of a plug as well, and her YouTube channel as well, which is on there. So my guest this morning is Lexi Kirky. What's up? Hello. How's it going? So good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well? Yeah. Now, how's it feel, first of all, being on the other side of a uh, podcast? Oh, it's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time you've been interviewed? Yes. Cool. Nervous? Um, no, I'm just, I feel... Uncom- not uncomfortable. I feel comfortable, <laughs> but it feels different than when I do it myself. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet. So, but it sort of takes the pressure off, I suppose. You can sort of just kick back and yeah, it feels shit. it feels good knowing that I'll just be asked questions yeah, and exactly. I can just answer them. All right, cool. So before, uh, so while I've got Lexi on the show, uh, there's been before we dive into that. So there's been uh, some big reasons why she's on on the show. There's, she's been through an interesting journey in a short life, but the main thing is that she's had an eating disorder in the past that was brought on 
through her desire to compete on stage. So we're going to get into that soon. But uh, to understand the present moment, first we have to dive a little bit deeper and understand the past. So tell us a bit about your upbringing. I had a wonderful upbringing, super close with my family. I have two brothers who I was also really close with. Yep. Played lots of sports and had a good relationship with my parents for the most part. I had a little bit of a bumpy road with my dad, yeah. I'd say, but the rest of it was pretty smooth sailing. Beautiful. And I was pretty fortunate growing up, honestly. Cool. Um, from Canada, right? Yes. Yeah? How do I know that? <laughs> uh, so from Canada and... Uh, so older brother, younger, younger brother as yes. well. So you had a middle child. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh, it sounded like a, you know, just touching that I was just touching on the surface there, like a lot of, like a bit of a, an easy sort of upbringing. However, the, the little touching point of had a bit of an interesting, um, relationship with dad. Yeah. Right. So do you want to touch on that a little bit more? Is that, is that an open game? Now? Oh we, yeah, we, for it, sure. Yeah. I feel like uh, cool. my dad and I are very similar people were very much the same. He's a pain in the ass too, you mean? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I think that I learned a lot from him in the ways that I went about life and how much I expected from myself because he is like a high achiever and he expects a lot from himself. Mm. And he struggles with a bit of OCD and really enjoys control and likes things to be how he wants them to be, which yeah. is fair enough. And I definitely grew up in the same sort of mindset yeah. and kind of became a bit of a perfectionist myself. But where I think I struggled with him was that he was always wanting things to be how he wanted and expected other people to, in our house, like not just me, but my brothers and like my mom, to also do things the way that he wanted them done. Mm-hmm. And I think in doing that, I would try to live up to these standards and expectations, but it was never enough and nothing was ever like perfect the way that he wanted, no matter how hard I tried and no matter what I did. And then I think that I brought a lot of that into my own life as an adult now where me and him actually have a much better relationship cool. after I've done like a lot of counseling and worked on that. Yeah. But I, shit, right? yeah, yep. but I still expect those things from myself now. It oh, doesn't even come from him anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the seed was planted. So a lot of that stuff that, yeah, sort of happens when we're sort of growing up from like, they say from zero to what is it, seven, I think it is from when we're born to seven, where we're getting conditioned with our beliefs, our thought processes, our understanding of life and even religion and stuff like that. So, uh, and that's a great, great thing if, you know, with our parents instilling some good beliefs and behaviors in us as well, Mm -hmm. but, you know, and Obviously, it can be on the other side as well if we're watching certain things or hang out with certain friends and stuff like that. So, okay, so um, perfectionism. Yes, a good strength, but your greatest weakness, it can be both. Yeah, and how, you know, that that sort of upbringing, that sort of um, those, you know, like you said, the, the perfectionism can be a beautiful process because it gets you... Um, Doing some good shit, I suppose. And it did for a long time. Like I was did really well in school. I played tons of sports. I was always trying to be like the best version of myself. Mm. And in a lot of ways, I was like a really good look, like kid. Yeah, high achiever. <laughs> yeah, but then it just I think with the competing, it got taken overboard, mm. and I lost touch with a lot of 
my basic needs. So, uh, so our listeners understand. So, so you're obviously doing a lot of team sports growing up and, and doing all that sort of stuff. But when we talk about competing, it's not necessarily competing in sports. It was competing. It was on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Competing in a bodybuilding competition. Okay. So I did a prep period of 16 weeks. If you're familiar with how bodybuilding works, no, tell me, tell me. Basically, you get a coach, like most people do, you don't have to, and then you start a prep period depending on how much time you need and when the show is, and then you start dieting, a workout program, start posing, you drink a certain amount of water, you take certain Mm. supplements, like everything is pretty much scheduled out for you. And And for a perfectionist, would that, is that, (laughs) how's that? At first, like I kind of liked it the food thing was a bit mm. weird like structure like this is what you have to do oh it, it yeah. was like weighing every single thing you eat to the gram yeah and your whole life becomes revolved around like weighing food and eating it when you're supposed to working out doing cardio and and also your whole life is, is around how you look as well right yeah and it's funny because like I didn't even end up really enjoying the way I looked mm. on stage day because I was just too like skinny, I felt like you could just snap me. Even though I was like really muscular, I was just like very lean. Yeah, yeah. How interesting that you know it's we're putting so much like we, for yourself with during that time putting so much pressure on being being a perfectionist with your food and you. I no doubt you were. However, regardless of how perfect apparently you were with your food and with your with your coaching and stuff like that, you still weren't happy with the outcome. Yeah, it's insane because. Well, it's not into, it's just, you know, it's just, a, I suppose, interesting to observe. Interesting, yeah. yeah. My whole life I was, like, totally comfortable with my body, loved my body. I worked out because it was fun for me, and I played lots of sports, and that was fun. I just grew up super fun, active. Right? Enjoying the shit, yeah. Eating food, and my mom was really good about food growing up. She was just like, if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. If you're full, stop eating. Like, she didn't ever want us to have a bad relationship yeah. eat everything on your plate yeah, yeah and <laughs> i always like just even ate. shit like that is a, is a big one for, yeah, for it's people. bad yeah, yeah that's right it's and instilling sh- beliefs that whatever's on my plate i gotta eat but if it, i'm not fucking hungry like i'm, I'm not gonna stop eat stop when yeah, you're yeah, full yeah, that's right yeah and she thought that was so important so like my whole life i grew up with like a really good relationship with food and i ate anything i wanted and honestly like i was i was young i was like 16 when still. you're competing um oh, the year before probably like from 16 and like below that I just like didn't gain weight like I could eat whatever I wanted and I ate a lot of food yeah. like a lot you got that metabolism right yeah, yeah and just never gained weight and like loved my body and had a really good relationship with things yeah so and what changed so then I got into the competing cha- did competing no, change no actually like I got into when I was diagnosed with celiac disease when I was 16 my whole diet changed because okay. I had to cut out all gluten. So is that what's, tell me, explain what celiac is. Like so, I understand it briefly, but what is it? Celiac disease is an autoimmune disease where basically your small intestine can't absorb or like break down the protein gluten, mm. which is found in wheat, rye, and barley. So all of your like pastas and like carby kind of foods, a lot of foods have gluten yeah. in them. Is gluten man-made? What is gluten? Like, is it, it's like, no, it, it's like... um. It's like a protein. Inside, okay. So there's like different types of proteins that Excuse are found. Excuse my ignorance. In... I'm not fucking, yeah, okay. No, no, it's, a lot of people don't yeah. know. I didn't really know. See, I'm gluten-free. <laughs> oh, is it gluten-free? And then you think, you know, I've got no idea what it is. I just hear gluten-free. And I'm like, okay, gluten's bad. I'm not going to eat that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big, big, big picture kind of guy. I don't even 
know if it's necessarily gluten is necessarily bad. I just think it can be bad for people who have an intolerance or mm. if you're eating a lot of like packaged foods yeah. that contain it type of thing. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, okay, so how did you find out you had celiac? So what, what were you feeling? Were you... Oh, that was a fun journey. It was like years of, so it started in grade nine, so I'm not sure so how. So is this before the, the competing? Sorry old. for jumping yes, around. We're jumping yeah, yeah. Around a bit, Let's, right. We'll go back to the beginning. So yeah. grade nine, I had my first like, now I would call it like a celiac attack. I basically like was fine one second and then all of a sudden my stomach like blew up like a balloon and it felt like knives under my left rib cage. And I was like started getting really fatigued and then throughout like grade nine, 10 and 11, they started happening more often. These like random attacks where like I just, it would, this pain would come and it mm-hmm. ended up putting me in the emergency room like oh. over like 10 times being on morphine, doing like multiple tests in the hospital and nobody could figure out like what was wrong with me and what was causing it. Is this the celiac or is mm-hmm. it, yeah, wow. So then I ended up going to Children's Hospital in where I live in British Columbia in Canada and they, I worked with a specialist there and she finally diagnosed me and then I cut out all gluten and then my diet like drastically changed but I realized for the first time in my life that like people actually have energy. I didn't realize how tired I was all the time until I cut out the food and how much better I felt. But I still didn't feel like 100%, but that would all come like later. Okay, cool. And we're going to touch on a couple of things that came up after that as well. But isn't it interesting like the the relation, it can be the relation relation between food, health, mental health, gut, gut health and just energy, right? But some people might think, oh, I'm suffering mentally because... No, I'm down on myself, but a lot of it can come back to food and gut health, right? Yeah, they've proven a lot in studies that the gut is like really related to your mental health. Yeah, and I feel it big time because although like I have to be so careful about gluten, like not like I can't even have cross contamination, but there has been times cross contamination is like when you're not eating something that has gluten in it, but it's like touched something so if I use like a toaster with gluten-free bread but I put it in a toaster that also toasts gluten bread I can't eat it or like fries that are fried in the same oil as like something yeah (laughs) (laughs) I've learned the gluten like it wasn't it wasn't terrible it sucked at first but once you find your way around it so where we're heading then so you're saying that once you if you crossed you you felt with your, you, you notice a difference mentally? Is that right? Is that what? Um, so yeah, so if I accidentally ate gluten or I wasn't careful enough about it, I immediately felt more tired. I would go, there was a couple times where like I went into more of like an almost like depressed state mm-hmm. and I could just feel it. Like I just wasn't happy. I found it hard to get out of bed. Like I don't know if it was like related to energy or if it was just, I don't know. I even just found my thoughts got darker yeah. Uh, do you feel uh, that it's an ongoing process even now? Yes. Yeah, and I, the reason I ask that, you know, admittedly, like how we connected actually, uh, a mutual friend of ours, um, I was sitting with her and we we're having a chat, T, what's up T? And we we're having a chat, I think I was going on one of my spiritual rants or whatever, and she goes, oh, you've got to connect with Lexi, a friend of mine. She's like, <laughs> she, she loves all this shit, <laughs> right? And so, you know, we, we connected and I, was like, and I saw your your podcast and I and I heard some of it about your, your eating disorder that we're going to touch on soon. And 
so I was looking at your stories and I was like, oh, I'd like to get on my show. Admittedly, I'd see sometimes you know, like you're shining bright, you're loving life, and then one night or it'd be like late at night, like I'd wake up in the morning and I'd, you know, you check your Insta, whatever, and you may have been up all night and you're sort of anxious. I'm like, wow, like, do I really is like for my listeners, you know, I want you know inspirational people to touch on all this sort of stuff. And I was like, hang on a second, this this soul is 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 a beautiful soul who's got who's been on an incredible journey, who is still going through shit like we all do. So there's no like where whether it's somebody that's sitting in it now or somebody getting out of it, we've all got a story to tell and we've all got lessons to, to, to teach. So that's why I really wanted to get you on here because you're, you know, you've obviously been through heaps and you've gotten out the back end of that. However, there's still times where because you're going through it, that there's still times where you you are still learning, you are still observing, you're still um, keeping that open mind and trying to seek that, I suppose, answer. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, we're always still growing. I'm glad you said that because... With social media, I I wanted to be inspirational and share what I've learned and be real like a well. positive yeah. light. Yeah. But I don't want to hide things. Good. Like if yeah. I'm upset and judging based off like my followers and messages I receive, that's why people exactly. follow me. That's right. And so with the perfectionism thing, it's like part of me sometimes is, is like I only want to post positive and happy things and inspire people and be this bright light, but then it just takes away from who I am and I'm still yes. always going through things. Yeah. And so And aren't we all? Yeah, just a different thing, I suppose. Yeah, but it's funny because now I'm I would say like even though I'm going through things now, I'm so much happier going through them. And I know that there's like a light at the end of the tunnel and I feel okay going through the process of it. Mm. Whereas well for most of my life I was just like very unhappy. Yeah. Like, am I ever going to get out of this? But you, I suppose you've touched a lot and you know that there is that light and you, it's just a, yeah, it's just an ongoing process. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And so, so that's why I obviously want to get you on the show with a, a few different reasons and stuff like that. But as well, I've got uh, a lot of, uh, so a lot of my listeners are either parents uh, from students that where I've spoken in their school, mums, dads, and also students that where I've spoken at their school. Some young girls that are, uh, and I've got some messages as well that they sent through that we're going to touch on as well. So that's why as well, like, so that parents can understand uh, a couple of things that may have happened or not happened or just getting some insight into a, a fresh a fresh mind to understand what what the, the, the journey she's been through and hopefully that they can get some understanding on how they can sort of communicate or connect with their, with their kids and also some 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 students or even for anybody as well can get some, some beautiful insight into understanding the process and, and just hearing that as well that... Uh, things aren't ever perfect regardless of what shit people are posting and, and all this sort of mm. stuff but people will still battle but they, they don't necessarily want to post about that but you're your guts and all you're, you're showing everything and even talking about some uh, you know you get pretty graphic with your explanation of some of the um, that will touch it, some of your um, health issues as well so yeah now now let's get to let's get to the sort of so that that's the gluten journey so so what so what happened after that Okay, so then changing so my whole diet. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. Changing my whole diet and I started kind of eating a little bit more healthier. Like I was just more conscious of what I was eating, mm. I guess, because I cut out gluten. Mm. And so then I started getting more into the gym around this time because I was graduating school and I was reaching that age peak for most like league sports and I wasn't playing high school sports anymore. So I got into the gym and I 
fell in love. Like I love working out and training. Then I got into kind of like tracking macros and stuff. So Where'd that come I, from though? How'd you get that idea? I would say like social media and like YouTube and that kind of stuff because (laughs) you would follow these fitness people. I started getting into that and then I started watching their workouts and then I was like, well, what are they eating and that kind of stuff. Mm. So I learned about macros, like proteins, fats, carbs, how many calories they have. Like Before we go on, sorry, sorry, before we go on, speaking about that point there, so they're they're explaining macros and all this sort of stuff, right? And that's what sort of got you on the journey of macros and getting addicted to it. What could they Mm, have? Not necessarily. Well, okay, okay, finish. no, 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 go. I would, where I was like kind of going was I started tracking my food at that point, but I did a very like flexible, like if it fits my macros, I basically ate whatever I wanted throughout the day and didn't think about it, but I just like wrote it down. Like I just tracked what I ate instead of like eating to track it to be something, if that makes sense. So at that point it was still like healthy in my mind. Like I was eating whatever I want. I had a good relationship with food. And at the same time, I was, like, reaching my fitness goals because I was, like, somehow, like, reaching my macro goals. But I was eating, like, sometimes, like, 3,000 calories a day. Now, I've, I've, uh, I do have some friends now as well that, uh, that have, uh, have found issues as well and uh, mentally through tracking, right, through tracking calories and even some, you know, I've seen counselors, even some have seen specialists and stuff like that about making steps towards even having a day of no tracking. Right. So where do you think, where do you think the, the tracking calories, why do, why do you think that's so like such a heavy thing that's going on at the moment, the tracking the calories and, and the stuff with mental health? I just think that a lot of people have aesthetic goals that they would like to achieve. And if I'm being honest, it's much easier to lose weight or to gain muscle or whatever your goals are if you're tracking your food mm-hmm. because it it, make, it, it makes it makes sense, sense. Yeah. like it, it does but I think that it gets it gets obsessive and you start looking at food as numbers and then you start to do what I did when I got into competing where you start eating zero calorie syrups and like random things that will help you to cut calories but are just full of chemicals and not good for your body at all. And you replace like real food with that kind of stuff. And you do anything to just like make it fit and ignore what you're actually craving and then you don't feel satisfied and that leads to a lot of like psychological problems and issues with food. Hmm. It's a bit of a paradox. I don't know if paradox is the word. I'm trying to sound clever here. But the... I've seen people, I've known friends competing, not, not hating on competing, like, do you think, guys, for sure, 100%, it's beautiful, like, it's whatever, do you think, everyone's got their own thing. However, I've seen, you know, the it's like a fitness, so a fitness competing or whatever it may be. So the idea is that these guys are healthy, fit, and look great, right? However, I've seen, you know, the addictive personality behind it, which, again, guys, be, do you think, 100%, I've got my addictive stuff to certain things as well, do you think? However, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that a lot of it, like I know some people competing, like I said, and their ideas on food, like is that just all it is is, uh, is like numbers. Right? All it is is uh, calories in, calories out, or whatever it may be. So they're not eating for a day or then binge, binging on pizzas and all this sort of shit because it fits, in, into, their, fits into, their, um, into their calories. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one that where like they're on stage 
like promote again do, do you think promoting health and oh well looking healthy and stuff like that but on the other side the in, the internal stuff is 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 bad, is sort of taking a bit of a hit yeah mm. i would say not even just the mental part but like competing in general like it's not necessarily healthy i even one of my my dearest friends she likes competing she competed and liked it enough to do it again the following year and even she like admits like it, it's not healthy, but it works for her. Like she makes it work and she en- enjoys it. Mm-hmm. And that's for her. I just don't think that it's, I don't know. Yeah. I think it, it, a lot of the, the work as well, like whatever we're doing, I suppose we've got to work on the, the mindset stuff like first and foremost, because you see a lot of people that compete afterwards when they stop competing, they're just without sounding like they blow up like balloons and just eat whatever and just which, which is okay but then then their health just suffers and their men, mental health as well so i think regardless of what we're doing whether it's competing whether it's a sport where whatever it may be we've got to work on that internal stuff first right yeah but a lot of people say that as long as you're in like a good place mentally before you start competing and you That's don't have I mean, any yeah. issues with food and you love the way you look, then you won't have any problems. But that was me. Yeah, I had true. the best relationship Very with true. food. I had the best relationship Thank with you. myself. Yeah. I felt like really strong and comfortable going into it. It was something I wanted to do to challenge myself. And I never thought in a million years that I would come out of it so messed up and not being able to like fix it. Even I still struggle. Like, I think it's like two, three years later. And I still have a little bit of, like, challenges with food sometimes. Mm-hmm. When did you realize you, the buckies? When did you notice that you first had like issues and something needed to change? So I did a sixteen week prep, and for the first couple weeks of the prep, I was eating a lot of food, and it was like so much food that I wasn't even really hungry for it, and I had to like almost force myself to eat it, and then the cut started. And as in cutting weight, um, yeah, cutting weight, cutting calories, and my calories significantly decreased. And you cut like the little bit of fruit that I was having in the morning, I also cut that, like, you cut things from your meal plan, so like less carbs and like more protein, like that type of thing. Your diet just changes. And I started kind of like doing weird things, like microwaving protein powder with water so that it would like fluff up and it would be like more of like a cake texture than a drink mm. which Skin is not right? like yeah like anything <laughs> and then I started noticing myself like eating like chewable vitamins um because there were vitamins I needed to take anyways but I bought them in chewable form so that it was more like candy like wow. something to yeah. eat I kind of started noticing things like that but I just kind of ignored them because I thought that they were just temporary for the prep period And then what happened was my coaches said that I ended up looking like good enough to compete at around the 10 week mark. So I entered into like a second show unplanned early and I ended up winning. And right before you go on stage for a show, there's a, the week like prior to the show is called peak week. And it's basically where everything gets really intense and you start water loading. So you're drinking upwards of like I think I reached eight liters of water in a day and you're salting all your food so that you retain all this water and your workouts change a bit and your calories decrease again, like significantly. And then right before the show, you cut your water and you go all the way down to like one liter and like show day, you barely have any water and you cut all your salt so that you basically like 
shrivel up and all your skin goes tight on your muscles. And then after the first show, I was allowed to like eat for like a day. And I noticed that like I couldn't stop eating and I ate so much that my, like I threw up, like my body just like couldn't handle the food. And then I had to get back on my diet for the show coming in like the next 16 weeks, which was extremely challenging. And within those six weeks was when everything went really downhill. And I was home alone one day and I just experienced like my first like blackout is what, what I would call it. With binge eating, it's not like you're overeating because everybody can like overeat sometimes past the point of being full, like they're a little uncomfortable, you ate too much. It's not really the same with binging. It's almost like you you mentally like black out and you feel like you lose control. And I just started eating like everything and I just couldn't stop. And I think it was probably some of my binges like in the future to have been like upwards of like 6,000 calories in a sitting. Like it's an, an extreme amount of food and it's painful and it's uncomfortable, but you can't stop. So I did that in my prep and then I felt so guilty because I knew I had to get on stage and I just went like down a really bad spiral in my mind and ended up purging. And then... As in meaning meaning to do that? Yes. Yep. So this time was like intentional. I felt embarrassed and I felt like I needed to undo after what I did yep. after I binged. For the, that was like the first time in my life I've ever binged. And then I purged. And then I sat there after and I felt terrible about it. Like so terrible. And I was... About the binge or the purging? Both. Both, yeah. Um, mostly the purging, I think. And I just never imagined myself ever doing that and getting to that place. I like swore I'd never do it again. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my coaches, which was probably a mistake on my part because I think that they could have done more to help me. And so I was like, I'm never doing that again. And then like a week later, it happened again. And I binged and then I felt embarrassed. Like I felt ashamed of it and I just wanted like I regretted it and mm-hmm. guilty and purged again intentionally and then what's going on up here at this time like how are you feeling mentally are you, are you hiding everything like a, like you, you're sort of getting like withdrawn from people or what are you doing yeah so at that time things were going really bad with like friends and family I my parents recognized it which they never actually wanted me to compete in the first place which was interesting because they've always supported everything I've ever done in my life Mm -hmm. until I decided to compete and they said I was like a robot I was having trouble sleeping I was super irritable I wasn't fun to be around I was cranky I lost a lot of my like light and passion my friends even kind of started noticing and I just I stopped kind of hanging out with them because a I didn't really have time and B, I felt like I I knew I wasn't fun to be around. I got sent home from work one time because I was just so far gone, like tired, cranky, hungry, messed up, like emotional that I they asked me to just go home from work because I'm I worked in the service industry, so being a waitress, like I wasn't doing my job well, yeah, wow. which is fair. So what a heavy. So how old were you at this time? Um, 17, 17, 18, maybe now for, for our parents out there, what, what were some of the signs or what could may possibly, what, what, what could you have 
uh, been open to or what, what could have helped you coming from your parents? Like what could they have looked for? What Just give us some bit of insight there for our parents out there. That's a, that's know, tough it's, it's because sure. I have the best relationship with my mom. She knows everything. She's my best friend and I didn't want to tell her about it. Yeah. I really didn't. And I think the hardest part is that you don't even admit it to yourself. So mm. it's really hard to admit it to other people. Yes. And then I think it was obvious to my parents, like, because I was competing and they knew what I was doing. Yeah. It was more so I think that they thought once I f- was done with this whole competing yeah, thing, yeah. I would be fine again. And yeah. that's what I thought too. And so post, like after show, I'll touch on the parent thing, but after the show, I thought everything would go back to normal. And you're supposed to do this, like, uh, what's it called? Like a reverse diet where you slowly increase your calories again, whatever. But I was so far gone at that point, I couldn't even do it. I stopped going to the gym. I just started eating all the time. I gained a bunch of weight, and then I felt bad about the way I looked. Then I started going through the cycles in my mind of, like, dieting, restricting, and then binging. I never purged again, thankfully. But where it got, where I knew I struggled was like I didn't want to admit that I had a problem and therefore it was really hard for other people to tell I had a problem Hmm. because when you're around people and when I was around my parents I would eat normally and I was able to control it around people so that they would never know and then where it got where where I started noticing it was a problem was when I started hiding food and that's a big thing for people who binge um you get embarrassed about it, so you start like sneaking food around and eating when nobody's home, and that's why binging typically happens alone. And that's why mm. I think it's really hard for parents to identify because so true. no one sees it. Like they're hiding it, and I hid it. And then I finally yeah. was like, oh, why am I hiding food? Yeah. It's. You know, for for our parents out there, and I'll get you know after my talks, even after some of my parent evenings, I'll get I'll get some broken parents out there that come up and they're just looking for the answer, you know, like and the tears in their eyes and just tell me their story, and I was like, what can I do? Like, what have I done? How like and a lot of them take take the the fault on themselves, and what can I do to change? And you know, there's there's really no one answer, is there? There's even for for myself, you know, growing up with the drugs, the violence, the alcohol, and and they're like, how? What did your parents do? How how did you know? They're saints. Like, what did they do? How did they? And it, but my parents from their side, they thought they were failures because of what I was going through, right? So there's all different perspectives of it. Like, all I can say for for my because you're right, I help. Like, they'd see me sometimes on a bender after like being and have to pick me up from police stations and stuff. But I I hid most of it away, right? I didn't want them to to see the the heaviness that I was going through, right? And it wasn't anything that they they did that got me into it, but what all that stuff that they got me out of it. But what helped me, you know, throughout the process was that they were just just knowing that they were always there, regardless. I was gonna say that it's hot. I I don't know because I'm not a parent, but mm. I would say that just being there for them and supporting them is mm. the best that you can do, and all that they really need you to do. That's all I needed because. Even though this was like extremely hard, I one don't think that there was anything my parents could have done to stop yes. it. Like, sure, they could have not let me compete, but I was gonna do what I wanted to do. 
And then I would have just ended up resenting them for not allowing <laughs> me to compete. <laughs> it's tough cooking for the parents, isn't it? <laughs> and two, yeah. I'm so grateful for that experience. And it led me down a much better path, actually, and wow. made me much happier going through everything I went through with food. And I wouldn't change it, even though it was extremely hard. And I still can, like, have a little bit of issues. And I'm sure my parents, like, don't. They don't wish that upon me and they don't want that for me but I would say like instead of trying to like stop bad things from happening to your kids because that's very unlikely (laughs) it helps people to grow and to learn and like shape them into the person that they are and so I'm very grateful for what happened and but at the same time it was just nice to know that like my parents were just there if I needed them and Mm. supported me getting help when yeah. I eventually did Beautiful. even if they couldn't be the ones that helped me mm. I think with food it's really important that you go even not with food but in life you get professional help yeah I talked to my mom I talked to my friends I talked a lot about it and it wasn't until I went to counseling that things actually started to change for me mm. why do you think that is I think it's somebody coming into your life that doesn't know you. They don't know who you're supposed to be, your past. Mm-hmm. like Who you're supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. you don't feel any filters with them, and you're not worried about what they're going to think of you or your relationship. There's just nothing there, and you also go in, and you have to kind of, since they know nothing, you have to explain everything to them from the beginning as Mm. if they are an out because they are an outsider and they don't know anything whereas you might leave some parts out when you're talking to friends or family because you just assume that maybe they already know yeah and it doesn't or you want to filter it so that they don't think the worst of you scared to talk about like certain things or you just i don't know i just found counseling to be the best thing and with my mom like she was the one where eventually i went to her and i said like i have a problem with food she didn't really handle it like the very best and it's really hard to tell people because then every time you're around them you think that they're like judging the way you eat and then you just don't want people to know about it Mm -hmm. and how did she handle it she she was disappointed and I knew that and that sucked um but she's a little bit of like a like a tough cookie I guess you could say like she was just kind of like well that's like ridiculous like don't have like you shouldn't have a bad relationship with food like kind of saw it very like black and white and didn't quite understand and just wanted me to like give up the scales give up the measuring the food give up the tracking and stop having all my stupid food rules like I can't have more than one piece of bread in a day if I was even allowed to have bread like I just had a bunch of weird rules yeah she just wanted me to like just give it all up and then i'd be fixed yeah and not, that, not that there's anything wrong with your mom saying that because obviously that's her understanding she has no idea about competing she has no idea she hasn't battled with food as well that's why it is good to get different perspectives and speak to people outside of our mm-hmm. usual circle and isn't it something you touched on then isn't it interesting the you know the connection that you had with with your psychologist was a psychologist the counselor whatever yeah, it was? yeah. It, so you're saying that you know, you felt that you could say everything because uh, you didn't have to pretend that you were somebody else. Yeah, you know, and, and the person that they know you as. Yeah, that's right. And 
And isn't that interesting? Like when we have our greatest connection, it's when we're dropping that person who we think we have to be. Yeah, I think too, when you're with people, like you always just kind of, you can always see it. Like when you're around different types of people, you can see yourself kind of change or like act Mm. a certain way or like, you're still like yourself. I believe that I'm still myself, but I'm different around different people because of just how like the energies align and how how I'm picking up off of them and how they're picking up off of me. And that's part of the reason I wanted to come traveling by myself. And I people were like, don't you want to bring a friend or go with somebody you know? And I knew that if I wanted to come here and travel alone and like grow and like learn who I am as a person, if I brought somebody with me who knows me, I would constantly still feel this pull to be that person mm, that they well knew. Said, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's so that's what I like about counseling. Yeah, cool. And traveling alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, it's sort of a metaphor as well. Speaking to somebody you don't know is really traveling yourself alone. Does that make sense? Am I trying to be too deep there? <laughs> it's uh and it's not like it's it's beautiful what you just said there because it's it's sort of it's all encompassing because it's not really a journey of self-discovery when you're going, um, you know, traveling or speaking. It's, you know, it's just about getting rid of what's not you. Yeah. You know, and, and breaking free of that person who you think you have to be and, and all this sort of stuff. So Even yeah. the parts that you think are you. Yeah, and you hold on to most Those deep. are the hardest yeah. ones. Because this is what people <laughs> like me as. This is, this is who I am. And people comment, comment and uh, acknowledge me on this side of this mask of who I think I have to be. So, fuck, I'm not letting that go. So then we hold on to that with our dear life. And, but then that becomes more of us than our true self you almost don't think that you're not like you don't think you're being someone you're not because you've Mm. done it so long and around so many people who know you as that that you believe it to be you as well exactly you don't even know that it's not exactly and that's where i feel as well like without without like the the issues that a lot of my teachings without trying to sound like a scholar (laughs) or whatever it is well a lot of my the stuff that i that i talk about is that a lot of mental health issues and a lot of you know, pain and suffering at the moment is that um, that that person of who we think we have to be, you know, and trying to live up to these certain labels, these expectations, these pressures, and you know, because there's a different because that 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 separation between who we really are as this individual, this beautiful soul with unlimited potential, happiness, peace, love, whatever it may be, chuck all the beautiful emotions in there, right? That's who we are when we come into this world and who we are in our pure state, but then that separation between who we really are and who we think we have to be, that little gap there, that's where all the angst comes from. That's where all the stress has come from. That's where our body image comes from. Don't you feel? Yeah. That, that's like with perfectionism with me. Right, I always yeah. think I need to be doing and going and trying and like being this doing, perfect doing, thing, doing. doing, doing, doing like that, it's yeah. always like I don't know how to relax and slow down. Like that's my biggest thing. My what were you mom, saying? Even when you're reading, you want to you want to stretch. Someone would be There's like, yeah, yeah, I'd be like, I'll have a bath and relax. I'm like, okay, like I'll have a bath, and then in the bath, I can read this book and learn this thing and <laughs> like, advance here and achieve this and like gain this knowledge. Like, there's always like an underlying doing. Yeah, like purpose to what I do. Like, I don't know how to just slow down sometimes. Yeah. But, do, you, do you feel that that's what you know? That was brought about that that perfectionism that that always pushing yourself or whatever it is. Do you think it's always trying to progress and always trying to, to be a yeah. better person? I just never feel when good does it enough. Stop? It doesn't. When does it, it stop? It doesn't because the higher I go, the higher the expectations go, and I'm not able to see my own success. Mm. So even if I do achieve, like right now in this moment, 
I have these ideas of like what I would like my ideal life or like what I expect of myself and say I did that perfectly, I still wouldn't see that as an achievement or a success or be able to recognize that I did it. Mm-hmm. I would just move on to the next thing. What next? What next can I do better? Yeah. I, um, I spoke about it in my, I think it was yesterday, in, in my IGTV. Uh, give it a bit of a plug. I about the addiction to to doing, you know, society. Yeah, I saw that. You saw that, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. You better have. Um, my the, the relatable. <laughs> society's addiction to doing, and it's it, it's never been more evident than now with um with what's going on in the world at the moment. And for you guys that may be listening in the future, or people from the past that have time traveled here, does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the moment, what's happening is that the the uh, the, the pandemic is going on and people are sort of uh, being isolated, self-isolated or, you know, have have to detach from job roles and who have lost jobs, who have lost s- status and who have lost all this sort of stuff. So what's happening is that peop- when all this outside stuff slowed down and even disintegrated this stuff, what's left is ourselves sitting with our thoughts or sit- sitting, sitting just sitting in our apartments or whatever it may be. And this addiction to doing has been become more evident now because there really is not much to do and it's where people are suffering like mentally because they're getting this angst is getting this desire of always got to do shit always got to do shit and don't you think yeah mm-hmm. yeah that, no, that's exactly it, what it you're going through now made me think of um this post i saw on social media the other day about how there's this like joke going around about if you don't come out of quarantine with like a new skill or like learn something, then like you were doing it wrong or whatever. And then I saw this other post and it was like, this is a pandemic, not a productivity contest. Yeah, I saw that. Or weight loss or productivity contest. Yeah, I was like, oh. Exactly, exactly. It is because, and and what I was was speaking about in the, uh, the, yesterday what I was speaking about in that post is that, so it's, and it comes about our desire from overactive mind, our desire for, for stimulation, our desire to always look at the stuff rather than look at the space and sit in the space around the stuff. So we're, we're so uh, committed to and so addicted to the physical. We're so addicted to you know, even uh, looking, at it, looking at the ocean. right? And I, I was going for the walk yesterday and people are out there looking at the ocean, looking at the surfers, looking at the waves, hopefully looking at whales and all this sort of stuff, right? Stuff, right? Uh, but what I like to sort of, you know, I'm not better than anybody there, but what, because lately these teachings that I've been, these learnings, I should say, that I've been doing is looking at the space around it. So I like looking up at the sky because without the space, the form doesn't happen, right? But we've been so addicted and committed to the stuff that that's all we see. So when we start look, noticing and seeing the space, even the blank page with which the words come on when we're reading a book, look at the space around it. And looking at that space, looking at space and looking... And sitting in silence, it creates more more gaps in that in those thoughts, and it creates spaciousness in that in that thinking where we where we can sit still, because without silence we don't have music, without you know without space we don't have stuff. So we've got to honor, respect, and sit in that space, and and feel comfortable with doing nothing. Because doing nothing is still doing something, right? But just being, and and getting comfortable with that, then the I suppose it'll help during this time of our lives and, and forevermore because we'll be comfortable with without thinking we have to be someone or do something. What do you think? 
I like that a lot. Yeah, I like what you said about you can't have one without the other. It's mm. like not having, can't have light without dark. Yeah. And like learning to like dance with duality almost. Mm. Yeah. And you, I I feel that you, you know, again, seeing stories because that sets up everything about you, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but just understand, like you, you, I talk about it a lot of playing on both sides. And so... What, that, what I'm talking about that is the sort of ego soul seesaw where you can sit in ego and understand ego, the physical, use your body, use your, you know, whatever it may be and all this sort of stuff. But you can sit back and like, like you're pretty insightful and, and understanding that you, you can sit back and observe it for what it is, the dysfunction, the ego, but then, okay, I've got shit to do now. I'll, what caused me to get stuck in ego more? What caused me with my mind stuff? What food did I eat? Whatever. And then, okay, shit, now I've got to change something. So you're, you're, you play on the seesaw pretty well. And does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'd give myself that much credit for that. I think well, that's... Well, there's that... Give yourself some credit. That's still like a learning thing. Well, though, it always is. It's, not, it's never perfect, 100%. Like sitting in ego and and, and soul, that, that in itself isn't perfect because it, like it's, it's all it is is learning. It's just bouncing from one side to the other, dark and lightness, like you said. Yeah. And who'd want to be perfect anyways? Because then, okay, what what's there next? I guess I do understand that. I think that life is literally just like mountains and valleys it's not really ups and downs it's just that like after every mountain there's always another valley before you can get to the next mountain again and that's where we like we achieve and we climb these mountains and it's hard and then we get up to the top and it's great and then we We think we're gonna stay there and then it's like oh here we go again i think it's just accepting and not resisting yeah that life comes in in flows Yeah. yeah Nothing's neither good nor bad anyways, right? It's just no. how we perceive it. They just are. It just mm. is. Well, we were saying the other day, uh, it was like, because you're saying, you, you, this is what you're talking about, how about you're constantly thinking you have to do, you do, and you, you said you had a moment where it's like, all I really, in this life, all we really have to do is be. Right? Yeah. Like, literally, and when, that's you, when you really think about that, that's all we're here for. All you, like, the social status, all that sort of stuff is just, shit but when you really really feel it all you have to literally do in this life is be yeah and feel good that's what i have tattooed on my wrist <laughs> this little b <laughs> that's what, that's just what that to remind me yeah that that is all i have to do slow down just be like slow down I'm always in a rush but yeah. i don't even know where i'm going half the time yeah and and it's majority of society it's all of society at the moment and that's why this time is an opportunity for either some, like, again, it's not a contest. <laughs> just a flow. Even for me, like, I've got, I've I've sort of not mastered my ISO stuff here, but I've got, like, a... Cause I think you're pretty good. <laughs> I've got, like, a three-day three day split. All right, you ready? Ready for my ISO hack? So d- three-day split. One day it's all my spirituality stuff, right? All I want to do this whole day is dedicating to myself to feel spiritual, feel good, Calm, peaceful. Shit still happens, 100%. But that means I'm getting up, I'm meditating. I'm it's doing, the intention. Yeah, that's right. I'm meditating, I'm yoga, I'm reading, I'm writing. I'm not using, I'm trying to stay away from my analytical mind. Right? So that's my, my day one. Day two, man, game time. Let's get some shit done. I've got this course to do. I've got like, I've got uh, other shit. I've a lot of analytical stuff. I've got emails to get back to. I've got shitty phone calls that I don't want to make. I've got to get back to my editor. I've got, it's a lot of that stuff is around that, my analytical mind, right? I still do my spiritual stuff, but that day's committed to getting shit done. Third day, it's a bit of both. So it's just flowy. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, whatever feels good. Whatever, whatever, whatever feels right. And because some days I'd be like, oh, okay, today I've got to, you know, I want to do my, 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 uh, my writing, right? But then while I'm writing, I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk. And then when I'm going for a walk, I'm like, oh, stuff, oh, I should be doing, being more productive. I should be. So it's jumping from thing to thing to thing. And I'm like, it was just doing my head in. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, because again, I'm, I'm not perfect either. I like to think I am. But I, I still have these internal th- battles as well, like where, where I think I should be doing other stuff. Oh, I'm not being productive enough. But Never where you are. You always want to be where you're not. Yeah. And then when you're there, it's like, this is shit. It's like, <laughs> is this whenever it? you're at work, like all you want to do is just be at home. And like whenever. If you said no to going somewhere and then you wish you would have went, but if you went, then you wish you would have stayed home. Mm-hmm. And now people are realizing in this like isolation that now they want to be at work. Yeah. And they just, you can't, but to just be present yeah. and like. Regardless of what you're doing. And grateful for like what you have like right now in this moment and like live in this moment only. Instead of thinking about what's next and where you're going to go, and what yeah. you're going to do. So true. So true. Now, how, so through the eating, how did you overcome your eating disorder? I reached a breaking point about six months, six or seven months after my show ended. I went on like another diet thing, like I'd been battling it for months. And then I just kind of like reached a breaking point and I got super depressed and anxious and was crying like all the time and just couldn't see like the light anymore and was just tired of it. And then I went to counseling and I did counseling twice a week for months and then once a week and then once every two weeks and it slowly started to taper off as things started getting better. And I started meditating. I did this like little, I just started meditating like basic kind of 10 minute things every morning. Guided or just by yourself? Guided. And then I started doing this. um, So guided, sorry for you guys, guided meditation is where you have maybe a YouTube clip where you 10-minute guided meditation. You put your earphones in and they guide you through it. That's what guided meditation is. Yeah. They just kind of tell you like when to close your eyes, breathe, when it's over. Mm -hmm. It's nice. You don't have to like think about it or have some timer go off. (laughs) I use use the app Headspace if anyone's like looking into getting into meditation but they're just not sure how. I highly recommend that app. It's super good and his voice is really calm. And yeah, so he has this course on there and it's called Mindful Eating and it's basically like this little meditation mini course there's like 10 sessions you can choose to do them for like 10 15 20 minutes whatever you're feeling all around eating and it's all around like mindful eating and he just kind of talks it's like the same structure the meditation sit down take deep breaths close your eyes pay attention to your body tune in but then he'll add in like little prompts in there like um the next time like you go to eat today like think about like how like he just kind of says things revolving around eating and what this, what this did for me was basically during the, the prep, I had lost touch with like when, my, when I was hungry, when I was full, what I was craving because mm. I kept ignoring it for so long and eating when I wasn't hungry and not eating when I was hungry and just ignoring my body's like basic needs. Yes. So by meditating, I started to like tune back into what my body was feeling and picking up on the signs nice. of like, oh, this is hunger. Mm-hmm. How hungry am I? I'll eat this amount based off of that. And like, what am I actually craving right now? And then I just started this whole kind of listening to my body journey. And I started working out and eating and everything was just around listening to how I felt. If I was tired, I would 
be tired that day and sleep and not work out. And that was okay. Yes. And allowing myself that. Beautiful. One more thing that's uh, another thing that I found really well, actually, or not really well, I found very important if you're struggling with food is to allow yourself a few days to like release the guilt. And this sounds kind of weird and almost hard to do, but it's not as hard as you think. And I've found this with like other addictions that I've had is you just like allow yourself to do it. If you want to binge and you want to eat and you want to just like stuff your face, just do it. Like, but then just don't, don't feel guilty about it. Like tell yourself that you're allowed to go and do it. And I just spent like a few days probably just eating whatever I wanted and taking away like the association of that being bad and eventually like allowing myself to just do it. It made me not want to do it as much. Mm. And then after a few days, it started to taper off and I just like, I didn't crave as much. I didn't feel the need to eat as much. And it, it just, I don't know how that works, but it it works well. Sometimes the demon is, is so heavy when we're hiding from it, but when we turn and face it and, and, and experience it and, the fear of it, I suppose, is the mm-hmm. is the hardest part. The fear of the failure, the fear of stuffing up. But when you turn and embrace it and really dive into it, then you're like, just do it. It's okay. Yeah. yeah what was the big deal? Yeah. And then you're just shining like, oh. your light on the darkness, really, right? And then your your body's like reminded that if you want something sweet, like you can have it at any time. So we don't need to mm. yeah overindulge okay. yeah. right now nice. because we're going to be restricted later. It's like teaching your body again. That yeah, and usually like it's. Uh, of Jade, my ex-wifey, who I've interviewed previously, so she she has some food battles as well. And I was talking to her yesterday, even yesterday. She has a sh- she has heavy sugar cravings, right? And she's been mm. doing a lot of work. Like we're going to talk about this in like this episode is going to go for a while, which is cool. Um, and might have to split it up into two, but that's cool. I uh, speaking to her again. What this is all encompassing for you, young listeners, parents, or just everybody in general, because. The outside, the you know the the issues that we're doing in the physical realm usually come back to the same issues that's going on internally with, with our mindset and our mind. So, however, with Jade, so she's been uh, have, have a heavy sugar addiction, and and it scares her as well because you know she she lost her mum to cancer and you know sugar is heavy for inflammation and all this sort of stuff. So it, it puts a, a lot of fear in her as well. And so she's got this fear associated to it. But then when she does it, then she's got this idea that when she does have it, she's got this regret, guilt and fear of death as well. So it's this whole fucking thing about, about sugar. And she's been, you know, on a, on a big journey as well. And she's spoken with professionals and she spoke to somebody recently and who, without going into who it is, but, or whatever it is, but, and they were talking about the, you know, we, without understanding why, like our mindset going in, but as well, her body lacks certain proteins and her metabolism, like again, I'm not the best at understanding this shit, but I'll try to explain it. So her body was lacking certain proteins or certain things or whatever. So the the sugar was substituting for that. So her desire for the sugar wasn't necessarily a mindset failure, but it was her body's response mm-hmm. to needing it Yeah, because it wasn't getting it in other spaces. So what she's got to do she's got to replace it with the good shit and, and the, the um, amino acids and all this sort of stuff and, her, and that'll sort of taper off from that. So there's a lot of factors when it comes there's to food. A there's a lot of shit. And you've, you've faced a lot of it, right? if you are a woman, we have a very like complex, like delicate Everything. balance of hormones <laughs> and any kind of like whack 
of like hormones so that true. goes weird can lead to like so many problems. That's right. And mental things. Yep. Mental, physical, emotional, yeah, everything. So, I, uh, so coming out of the, uh, so you 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 had you dominated, you got through the gluten stuff. You 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 really got through that. You got through the, you had the journey through the the competing. You've had the journey through the, the, uh, the food. You've, it's been it's been a big process, right? However, then you got, um, like just smacked across the face with a with a with a pretty big health issue that was pretty painful. Yeah. Yeah, before that, I... Am I getting too far ahead? A little, not, well, no, that's like, it's all the same kind of thing. I overcame the eating pretty much, and I found spirituality, and I was like the happiest I'd ever been, and I still really struggled with my skin, and that's been something I've struggled with since I was like 10, like 9, like really young. And they thought that it was because I was like eating gluten, which makes sense. And so I thought by cutting it out, it would get better and it didn't. Then I cut out dairy and I saw like a huge change in like my bloating and everything. Because mm-hmm. I was then diagnosed with like irritable bowel syndrome, which is basically just like a lot of people talk about it. IBS, it's like you just have like an irritable gut. Like an things bit, just an, irritate an it bowel. a lot. <laughs> yeah, like that's basically what, what it right? is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, because of the celiac, I started having, like, absorption issues with nutrients and stuff, and I became, like, anemic, and then I was getting, like, chronic strep throat and, like, other chronic infections, and I was also lost my period for over a year, and I was trying to, like, sort out all of these issues with, like, my skin and being tired all the time and not having any energy, this is after the competing? So this is... After. This is like, yeah, like after I'd kind of fixed, maybe like a year later. Yeah. And so there's another issue. That's so like, I wasn't yeah, eating gluten, I wasn't eating dairy. Yeah, okay. And I was having all these problems. In Ella Valley. Yes, doctors weren't helping me. So then I found like natural medicine, went to see a naturopath. They helped me tremendously. I got my period back, fixed my strep throat, all of those things. And helped my skin like quite a bit but it was still like an issue so then we started looking into food sensitivities and turned out that I was sensitive to like a number of foods which made it very hard to eat and at this time I was trying to eat vegan so I was switching to eating vegan and then I couldn't eat like rice or oats or cashews and so many foods and it made it very challenging and coming out of like an eating disorder where you mm. need to not restrict, but now you're restricting for health purposes. Oh. It's challenging, but I was all right during the time. Is that, why do you think you were all right this time? Is it the growth you did spiritually or the, the meditation stuff? What, what, what was the change there? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners would, would like to, what was the difference? Why were you okay with this stuff? I think because when you reach such a low point, you're almost willing to do anything. And at that point, like, I was so tired all the time. I was bloated. I got stomach aches. And I was dealing with, like, really bad rashes. Like, it wasn't just, like, like bad skin anymore. It was, like, all over my body and getting, like, bloodshot in my eyes and, like, weird things happening. And I was just willing to try anything at that point. Like, I yep. felt like I had done everything I could. Mm-hmm. And so... I also knew that cutting out these foods was you do it for like 
two months and then you introduce them like one at a time. Okay. So I knew it wasn't permanent. Yeah, I felt okay. like two months, like I, that's good enough. And I can still eat like what I want. That's not that. And however much I want, like I yeah, had okay. it still, it didn't have anything to do with like what I looked like okay. or anything like that. The reason, the reason why I ask that is because one of, when I did the, the post on, on my story about any questions, one of my young followers, she asked, um, what was it? Where is it? Um, how do you deal with the emotions if something triggers an old feeling like through your eating disorder? So I'm sure that cutting out foods during that time will triggers, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so does high stress or feeling mm. lonely or just having like down days. Like I use food as a coping mechanism. Um, it makes me feel like I'm in control. It makes me feel like it's something that I have control over. Uh, even though... That doesn't make any sense because it's like a loss of control that causes you to binge. But it's like a for some reason, choice, it's like a it it fills you up. It feels good. It's like you can use it to numb out what you're feeling numb, and yeah. um, ignore how your body's feeling by overeating. And, and ignore how your mind's feeling as well, right? So I think that learning and recognizing what your triggers are is the most important because the longest time I didn't actually know what triggered it. And so if you don't even know what's triggering it, it's really hard to stop it from happening. And then once you've identified what they are, noticing when they come up and almost, I don't want to say like you substitute one addiction with another, but for me, I found it helpful to, if I noticed I was going to binge, like instead I would do something else, whether that be like meditating or reading a book or calling a friend is Mm. a really good one, talking to somebody or even like drinking a bunch of water or having a tea or something else that can like satisfy that craving without leading to a binge. And I would say that you could have like something, but once you start eating, I find it's hard to stop. So I would try to just like avoid food because you're most likely not hungry anyway. Yeah, which is a trigger. But they're restricting for me for like health purposes, like it did trigger it. It just didn't trigger it right away. Mm-hmm. It's like the extended period of time of restricting that would uh, eventually yeah. gotcha. cause me to. But I was really good at like finding things that I could eat that would satisfy cravings. And I also got really into like cooking and baking and like making foods that are good. Spending more time like if you struggle with food, cooking is actually like really beneficial because you're making something that is both healthy and satisfying and you're spending the time with the food at the beginning to like see it, smell it, touch it, like feel it. And like it starts like that digestive process and also like triggers things in your mind that like you just feel more like satisfied when you eat. That's Mm. like the biggest thing. You're amongst it rather than trying to hide from it. Yeah. So like facing the demon, right? It's like if you really want chocolate but you aren't allowing yourself chocolate for some reason. So instead you eat like something that's like chocolate flavored and then you end up eating so much of that thing because even though you're full, you're still not satisfied. Whereas Mm. if you would have just allowed yourself the chocolate, you could have had the one piece and have been sad, both full and satisfied and wouldn't have felt the need to keep on eating. 100%. Well said. Good insight. So You know your shit. I've <laughs> I've learned yeah. over the years through experience, right? Having. So then, okay, cool. So you've come out of. So tell me about the 
the health. Yeah. So then I thought all was like kind of going well. I'd, I I felt like, I felt hope, and um, I felt really good for a bit because I had got rid of all of the kind of like the strep and the other infections and got my period back and. I felt like I found the answers with the food sensitivities and I was going to clear my skin and things were going super well for me. And then I started... Oh, I also had hemorrhoids too. So that kind of leads to Emily telling you that because it leads into the next part of the story. (laughs) This isn't my podcast. People aren't used to me being just like... Hemorrhoids away. um, So (laughs) I started seeing... (laughs) I started seeing blood. It, like when I went to the bathroom and first I kind of thought like maybe it's just my hemorrhoids coming back so I just kind of ignored it which is not very good I'm really I don't worry so like I let things go usually like I, <laughs> I started seeing blood it like when I went to the bathroom and first I kind of thought like maybe it's just my hemorrhoids coming back so I just kind of ignored it which is not very good I'm really, I don't worry, so, like, I let things go usually, like, I tend to, but... Until it gets to the point that it's, like, worry times a thousand. Yes, and then it was more blood than I'd ever seen before, and I started having pain. Sorry, where? In the toilet. Hemorrhoids typically are just, like, would be on the toilet paper. Yeah. Maybe kind of, like, in the bowl, but, like, not a ton. Like, it's not a lot of blood, sorry. And then um, it started just getting, like, a lot, and then... Um, a lot of like urgency and a lot of pain and I started losing a lot of weight and not being able to eat things and mm-hmm. it, like this is all you've after you've battled through all yes. this shit wow. and I'm like what the heck can this yeah. be and then I had a really hard time with doctors I went to like five different doctors I couldn't nobody wouldn't like wanted to help me what, what, what do you mean nobody wanted um, to help me? aren't doctors supposed to help us <laughs> yeah so I went to the emergency room because it got really bad and they ran tests like blood tests and nothing came up so they sent me home and so I went home and then it got bad again so I went to see my doctor and he basically said that like I should go see my GI specialist which is my gastrointestinal specialist for my celiac and stuff and he basically said like oh it's probably just like hemorrhoids or something didn't even look he just said like oh it probably just is and that he just wanted me to like continue to not eat gluten, and he also recommended an iron supplement because apparently I didn't know that I was anemic, and I felt very frustrated because I'm like... Because that'll sort everything out. You should already <laughs> know that I'm, like, doing these yeah, things. Yeah, like, yeah, do yeah. you not even, like, look at my file? And then I went to another hospital where I also waited for eight hours. They tested my blood. I had dropped, like, hemoglobin, which is, like, your red blood cells by, like, a tremendous amount. My iron was, like the lowest it had ever been. It was at like zero or like one. Like I didn't have any. Um, they got me to do a stool sample, which was literally just a blood. Like I gave it back to them. I'm like, do you believe me now? And then they're like, hey, we're going to like test for hemorrhoids or fissures, which is already super uncomfortable. Not to mention I was like in final exams at the time. So I should have been studying, but I was at the hospital all day stressing about it. And they did the test and they're like, okay, you don't have any visible hemorrhoids or fissures. I'm like, okay, perfect. So you, so something's wrong. Like you just told me all these things that like, and they're like, well, I know that you don't want to hear this, but the truth is, even though you don't want to wait, like you probably can wait to see your 
like dock in like a month from now. And I was like, it's already been a month. Like, and during the time you're in pain. Yeah. yeah, like extremely like. And how did you describe it? Something skin. You were saying it's like ah. Uh, so basically, with my diagnosis um, after the fact, it's like ripping the skin off of your arms and then like rubbing it together. Mm. So. My mom, thankfully, is an RN, and she was just, like, absolutely livid because she'd, like, seen how much, like, blood and everything and, like, just the things that had been happening over the weeks. She called her friend who worked at the hospital who is, like, a nurse who works under a GI doc there, and she went to the doc, like, personally and was, like, my friend's daughter, this is, like, what, like, is happening to her? And so he phoned me that day and was like, we'll scope you tomorrow. Like, you need to be scoped. Mm. Because the chances were I had ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, or colon cancer. And that was basically it. Like, it was going to oh. be one of those three. Oh, the doc was like, just have a iron supplement. Yeah. yeah. Like, they didn't <laughs> care. And, like, the worst thing is if you, if I, if it would have been any one of those three, the longer that you live with it, the more damage it does and the more... Mm unlikely they are to be able to treat it especially with like cancer you could yeah. if you get if you find colon cancer soon enough you can get your colon removed and like they could treat it but if you let it progress years no going back yeah. so then i got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis which was super fun uh it's like severe inflammation of your bowel open wounds and like like ulcers lining your like yeah like your gut like not your gut like your colon tract like whatever so 20 percent of mine was like mildly severe inflammation and ulcerative colitis got put on medication and then he basically told me that i can't be eating fiber when i'm having a flare-up and so at this point i already had all my other food sensitivities i was like eating vegan and then i was told i can't have fiber and i'm like well that leaves me with nothing and so that was challenging i had to start eating like meat again which was like hard because i didn't want to like morally and and so then since then it just been like medication for the rest of your life and doing enemas every night and like a big change and paying attention to your diet when you're having a flare-up or when you're in remission which is basically like when the inflammation goes down you feel pretty normal and then so now, this is ongoing right yeah this was like literally in december mm-hmm. I was diagnosed. Yeah, just and before then, you come to Australia. Mm-hmm. And then it was like I was moving in like literally a month after this. And we're like, how are we going to do this with like medication and getting it to Australia? And like, what if you can't eat? And there was like a lot of like stress. I was like, it's all fine. Like, it's going to work out. And then, yeah, I moved here. Hmm. And now I'm trying to eat again. Yeah. And you're still shining bright. Yeah. Now, there's obviously so many lessons in your journey and in your story. Uh, one that just then is that if you feel in, intuitively that there's an issue, keep searching for help. Yes. Keep asking. Keep whether that's physically, whether that's emotionally, whether that's mentally, internally. If you know, you know your body, you know your mind, you know your spirit, you know your soul. If you feel something needs to shift, if you feel that you have shifted, if you feel a little inkling that something may need help with, keep searching, keep asking, keep digging deeper. And these so-called professionals. You know, there's, there's great people out there, 100%. Like, a lot of doctors don't know much about food. They don't, don't know much about soul or spirituality. Like, they, they serve a purpose, 100%. But, guys, if, if you don't get your answer, keep fucking asking for it. Keep finding it. And it seems like you're still searching, still asking for answers 
mentally, emotionally, physically. So your your journey's ongoing, right? Yeah. I have a really good GI doc now, the one that actually scoped me. He's now my number one. But although I go to like Western medicine for my autoimmune diseases and such, yeah, like doctors, I prefer natural medicine. Like go see an Ayurvedic doctor, go see a naturopath, go see a nutritionist, like find different ways. And I know that it's expensive, Mm -hmm. but it's so worth it to invest in your health. Like I've spent so much money on counseling and naturopaths and food things like none of that was covered for me back home and like I didn't have like help like I wanted it done but I can say it's like the best investment I've ever made and it'll make you way happier and healthier than any I don't know material item could definitely definitely have a look at your priorities and and look after number one first and everything flows from that how are you doing mentally and emotionally physically now how do you feel from day to day I know you're going. Right now, I'm going through like a little bit of a a bump, yep. I guess. Um, I think that the isolation, I live alone, and that really showed me how much. Right now, I'm going through like a little bit of a a bump, yep. I guess. Um, I think that the isolation, I live alone, and that really showed me how much. I enjoy spending time with people like when I want to and not even as much people, but like routine and structure, going Mm -hmm. to school and going to the gym and having those times of the day. It feels like a lot of kind of filling my day with things to do. (laughs) (laughs) With doing. Even like I I do have days where like I don't do anything and it's like nice. It's just like it feels really repetitive and I just feel like I'm not going anywhere and I don't like that feeling of being like stuck because I'm always wanting to do and achieve and whatever. But what I do like about it is that it's like, it's a really beautiful time for like growth, like, and like looking in at yourself and where you maybe have some healing to do. And it really, it makes it obvious and like apparent. Mm. So it's been like, Awesome. I was using food to cope again during this like time, which was not fun to recognize. And especially because it's something I talk about so openly on social media, I felt like I had like failed other people and not just myself. Hmm. And then I realized like it wasn't about the food anymore because like right now like I'm not really restricting. I'm not I don't have any problems with like my body anymore. Like I love the way I look. And I thought that I had so much self-love because I had learned to feel beautiful in your own skin. I feel like that's where the primary focus of self-love comes from a lot of the time is people wanting to feel beautiful. And I think that's so important. But it's funny because like I learned to do that and I got over like insecurities about my skin or about whatever it is. And I then I realized that I didn't actually love the inside, that I didn't feel good enough and that I wasn't doing things that were loving of myself. Mm. And instead of sitting with those feelings, I didn't want to feel them. So I numbed them with food and other things, but it's been like a big eye opener. And it's like, okay, yeah, that happened, but like, I'm glad. Yeah. And it does. I know it's a cliche, but everything does first come back to that self love, right? It's it's not love of the physical at all. It's not because the physical can be perfect or whatever it may be. But even if we get to that goal of our perfect body, it's still never good enough because it always comes back to what's going on in the inside. Yeah. Self-love. Even if you love the outside, though, like, you can still 
not love the inside. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So everything comes back to the inside. Because if you don't love the inside, you're never going to love the outside. Ever. Don't you think? Don't you think? No. I disagree. Because Whoa. I, I do. Like, Take me on. I, because me, personally, yeah, I don't love when I'm, like, having a rash or, like, my skin looks like crap or maybe I'm bloated or, like, I just don't feel my best on the outside. But I've learned to, like, appreciate beauty and, like, see it in people and see it in myself and the, to the point where, like, I always truly believe that I'm beautiful and love the way I look and don't feel the need to change myself anymore or, like, lose weight or fix my skin. Like, I'm just – I'm content and I'm happy with it. Mm. And yet, even though I love the outside and I think I'm beautiful, I don't love the inside. So I think that it is possible to love the outside yeah. and not love the inside because I do it. So, like, even though – like, what I feel about not being good enough and achieving and all of those things – has nothing, nothing to do, do with, with what I look like. Yeah. It's all just like how I feel like. And it's like a truth. It's just how I feel. It doesn't it doesn't mean I haven't achieved. It's that I am unable to recognize what I have achieved and that I don't feel good enough. Nice perspective. Thanks for that. Yeah. You took me on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? I didn't <laughs> realize how disagree. strongly I felt about that one. Yeah, I was I like, wait, no. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I love that. It's perfect. And, you know, and... That's why I love getting uh, interviewing, and that's why my, I feel my my most popular episodes are when I get people on because it's a different perspective of the same thing, and that's where life is beautiful. Listening to different perspectives, not judging. Still, we still got to understand and dissect what feels right for us, but it just expands our mind even more. And you just did that for me. Yeah, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Yeah, I love that saying. Mm. Leaves. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It was great. Yeah, I had a fun. It was really good. Uh, any question for me? No. Perfect. Even better. Talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, again, thank you so much, Lexi. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at LexiKirky underscore. It's K-U-R-K-I. And the Daily Diary podcast on pretty much all platforms. And then YouTube as well is just my name again. Which is Lexi Kirky. Lexi Kirky. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for listening in. Listening in. I hope you. I'm sure you got some some good content and value from that show. Please continue to that search. Uh, look for the space in things. Connect with each other. Whether it's I know it's kind of hard at the moment where where we can't touch, but uh, touch isn't necessarily where connection comes from, anyways. So just live in this moment. Look at the space, and. I wish you guys all peace of mind. Peace out. Bye.